Thank you for being with us here at Destiny today, where we believe that God has a plan, a divine calling, and a purpose for every single person. Do you believe that? Amen. My name's Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here, and I just want to welcome you uh, to Destiny and tell you that we're so glad that you're here with us on this holiday weekend, that you took a little bit of time out of your holiday to come and worship Jesus. I believe that honors him. Amen? I believe that's a way to honor God with our time. We're going to spend some time today in the book of Jonah. We're in a series right now going verse by verse through the book of Jonah, spending six weeks here in this book. Today we're on week three. How many of you enjoyed the first couple of weeks? Amen? Well, no, they didn't. How about this side? How many of you have enjoyed the first? Amen, right? We, we've enjoyed our time together. We love the Bible at Destiny Church, don't we? Oh, help me out. We love the Bible at Destiny Church. Amen. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Today's title is Revival at Sea. There's going to be a revival on a boat. How many of you love revival? A revival is when something that was dead comes alive. That's a miracle. We're going to see some, some, something that was dead come alive inside of some people this morning. Uh, so Jonah chapter 1 is where we are. We're going to start in verse 7. And uh, where we've been so far, we've seen that the, the book of Jonah is a story all about the grace of God. We've been singing about it all morning. How many of you are thankful for God's grace in your life? The grace of God, that God loves people. God loves people, all people, every race, every color, every culture, every language, rich or poor, black or white, skinny or not, bald, with hair. He loves us all, all people. And because of his great love for all people, God sends Jonah to go and tell people about his love, about his grace, about his mercy. Jonah was a prophet, and God had called him to go to a people who needed God's grace, to go to a people who needed God's mercy, to go to a people who didn't know God. But God has designed people, humanity, that we would know him to be in relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about knowing God. There's people all around us that don't know God. So God called Jonah, he said, there's this group of people over here. They're really bad. They're really naughty. They're, they're doing bad stuff. They don't know me. I need you to go tell them about me. And Jonah said, not going to do it. He gets in a boat. He goes the opposite direction. Last week we saw that God, did he leave Jonah alone? No. He hurled a storm onto the sea where Jonah was. Why did he do it? To bring Jonah back to himself to put Jonah's feet back on the path that God had called him to. And so last week we saw that the storm 
wasn't the judgment of God, it was the grace of God. That Jonah's feet were heading in the wrong direction, and because God loved Jonah too, he sent a storm in his life. And so we learn that sometimes in life, the storm is actually the grace of God, putting us, pulling us, moving us back to where he wants us. And so the, the captain of the ship we saw last week, he, he went down and Jonah was asleep. Jonah's sleeping in the middle of the storm. A picture, FYI, of a lot of Christians today. The world sinking around them, the world dying around them, the world looking, crying out for a savior, and the church is fast asleep. The sailor, the captain, has to go and kick Jonah. What are you doing sleeping? Could you join? We're having a prayer service on deck. In case you haven't noticed, we're sinking. Could you maybe come and pray with us? They're calling out to their false gods, to their idols. They don't know God. They're doing the best that they can. We saw last week that Jonah was woken up by the sailor, by the captain. We're going to pick it up here in verse 7 this morning. And they said to one another, these are the sailors. These, they don't know God. They're, they're pagans. They're heathens. They don't have it all figured out. They probably smoke cigarettes and drink beer and watch stuff on YouTube they're not supposed to. Right? They don't got it all figured out. They don't know Christian, they don't know they eat at Chick-fil-A all the time, right? They, they just, they don't know. They're, they're eating at Popeye's. They don't know. They haven't figured it all out yet. They said, that's a joke, by the way. Just, if you didn't get it, it's a joke. Christians don't eat at Chick-fil-A. They can eat at Popeye's too. It's a joke. We live in freedom, liberty, the grace of God. Amen. Amen. So they said to one another, let's cast lots. That's a way of kind of rolling the dice or, or, or drawing straws, if you will. Let's cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. This is the sovereignty of God in effect. This was not an accident. This is God orchestrating things. Then they said to him, tell us, on who, to Jonah, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us, right? This storm is just beaten down on their ship. They've already thrown all of their cargo overboard. How many of you know if you're a cargo ship and you're a merchant, it's got to be really bad for you to throw all of your cargo into the ocean? Right? That's all of your livelihood. Maybe, maybe your whole financial future was, was mixed up in this, this deal that you had poured into this cargo. Whatever it is, you're going to take it and you're going to sell it somewhere. And they know that, man, the ship is going down. we got to stay afloat. They've cast it all into the sea. They said, tell us, who's, why is this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I'm an Israelite. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea 
and dry land. He told them, I don't serve false gods. I don't serve idols. I serve the one true and living God, the Lord, the creator of the sea, the creator of the dry land. Verse 10, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. He said, look, God called me to go this way. I found you guys going that way, and I jumped on your boat. You're in this storm because of me. What have you done? Why have you done this? You've ruined our lives by running from God's call. They said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Thank you. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this, this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Wow. Jeez. Against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. Father, speak to us through your word today. Lord, awaken faith within our hearts. Lord, faith comes by hearing and by hearing your word. And you have called us to be a people who live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So Lord, help us to live that way every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to I draw your attention here this morning to the sailors. They are doing everything they can to save themselves. They're rowing as hard as they can. They're digging in deep. I don't know if you've ever been on anything where you had to row. Have you ever had to row anything? I, like, was on a kayak this summer, and my, took my kids out on the lake, and after about five seconds, <laughs> I was done. I was like, you ready to go back? And I turned around and we hadn't even got off the rocks yet, you know. It's like, <sighs> like, and we weren't in the middle of a storm, right? It's beautiful day outside, not a cloud in the sky, beautiful lake. And I'm, ah, ah, ah. You know, it wasn't like those Olympic rowing teams where they're just like, no, it was, it was difficult. They're in the midst of the storm. These are professional sailors. They know what they're doing. They are digging in, rowing as hard, as fast as they can with everything they've got. They're throwing, like I said, the cargo overboard. 
They're crying out to their idols, to their false gods. They're doing everything that they know to do. They're waking up people who are asleep and saying, you call on your God. We're having a prayer meeting. If something doesn't change, we are going down. These men even have a conscience. Jonah says, throw me overboard. I don't care. I'll die. I don't want to serve God. I'd rather die than do what God's called me to do. If you get me off the boat, you'll be fine. They said, we're not doing that. How many of you, just be honest, Jonah wouldn't have even finished talking and you'd be, (laughs) you wouldn't even act like the lot is cast and it points to Jonah and he's, you even ask him, what did you do? Like these are, these are decent human beings. The only nasty person in this is Jonah, who just doesn't even seem to care that he's taking down this whole ship of people. He doesn't pray. He doesn't call out to God. He doesn't repent. Lord, forgive me. I see how my sin is, is, is endangering the lives of these people. No, it's the sailors who are praying, Lord, Don't hold this man's innocent blood against us. They did everything that they thought that they could to be saved. But even with their best efforts, they are still sinking. There is nothing that they can do to save themselves. And many today in our world, in our culture, in our families at our workplaces, maybe even here today, many people are doing everything that they think they know to do to save themselves. They're looking for salvation everywhere but in God. Looking for salvation in religion even through their own good efforts, through their own good works, their own good deeds, trying to live a good life, live a good way, be a good person. So many people think that if they just try really hard, when they make it to the pearly gates and there's Peter with his list, they'll be on the list. It's their good efforts, their good works. Even in religion, even within the umbrella of Christianity. I'm a good person. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I never killed anybody. Trying to keep the commandments. Trying to earn salvation through their good works, like the sailors who were rowing so hard. Many people today, like the sailors who had idols, they have false gods in their life. What are some false gods that we see people have today? How about career? Ever known anyone who served their career? Who worshiped their career? Who sacrificed everything? Their marriage, their children, their legacy on the altar of their career? What about... What about people who serve relationships instead of God? They put other people before God. 
Listen, a career's not bad, people aren't bad, having relationships aren't bad, but when we put something else on the throne of our life, when we make something else one and it's not God, that good thing becomes a curse in our life. Does God want you to have a good career? Yes, of course I do. I believe he wants you to prosper. Does he want you to have a good marriage? Yes, of course. But if we, if, 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 when, when, when we have the opportunity to, to say, okay, well, this is how God's word teaches me, and this is what my relationship with God would influence my relationships with others, but instead of doing that, we, we side with the other person. We've made that person an idol in our life, a false god. We're serving them and not God. When it comes to pleasing God or to pleasing someone else, we choose the other person. If you are that person here today, you may get your meaning and your value and your worth from this other individual. That's not how you were designed by God to live. Not seeking approval and acceptance from other, but receiving the approval and acceptance that is ours through Jesus Christ. What about the idol of materialism? Anybody go to the mall yesterday? You, you probably saw some idolaters walking around. <laughs> Just saying. Serving false gods. Listen, you, you need to know something. Stuff won't make you happy. No amount of stuff's going to make you happy. Every year, how many people do we see who have all the stuff die of some drug overdose? Just a couple of weeks ago, some professional MLB player has everything quote-unquote, that the world has to offer, dies in his own vomit because he overdosed on drugs. What's he looking for? I want to tell you the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. It's not found in career. It's not found in relationship with others. It's not found in materialism. It's not found in trying your best. You need to know, just like these sailors, that you cannot save yourself. You can't work hard enough. You can't do enough stuff. You can't fill the void in your life with anything other than this relationship with God. The sailors are confronted head-on with this reality that in spite of their best efforts, they are still sinking. They are dying. They have no hope. And so finally, we see them. They turn to Jonah and they ask him, okay, what can we do? What can we do to be saved? You're the man of God. You're the person who knows God. What can we do to be saved? And it reminds me, this question that they ask, it reminds me of the story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel and they're thrown in jail. How many of you remember that story? 
how'd you like that if I got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel sometime? No, you probably wouldn't like it. Okay, so I won't go do that. Anyway, um, they're pastors, right? They're, They're good missionaries. They're out preaching the gospel, and they get thrown in jail. And one night, the Bible says at midnight, you know what they're doing? Praising God, worshiping God. Why? Because their victory wasn't based on their external circumstances. They were free in their spirit, even though they're bound in chains. Unfortunately, there's too many Christians who are walking around free in the physical world, but bound in chains. Anyway, they're worshiping God. And at midnight, an earthquake comes. An earthquake comes and it shakes the prison that they're in. And all of the jail cells bust wide open. How many of you would be like, Lord, that's my answer to prayer. (laughs) We've been praying for your deliverance. We've been singing and worshiping. It's time to go. But that's not what Paul and Silas do. They stay put. Talk about being spirit-filled and spirit-led. They stay put. Well, the jailer wakes up. He sees all the jail cells open. The shaking wakes him. And when he sees this, he decides to kill himself. That would have been preferable for him than what he would have endured had all the prisoners escaped. Had all the prisoners escaped, he would have been tortured and beaten and then killed. And so he says, you know what? I'll just skip to home base here. I'm just going to take my life. And Paul calls out from the jail, stop, don't do it, we're all here, we haven't gone anywhere. How many of you, seeing the jailer about to kill himself, would be like, well, I guess there's our escape route, don't got to take him out, thank you Lord, like, Paul, don't do it, why? Because God loves everyone. Even your enemy, God has a plan for them. Calls out. So the jailer wakes. Verse 28, Paul cries out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the same question that the sailors are asking Jonah. Listen, when there is a shaking, when, when there is a, a, a storm, when, when, that, when things seem like they're falling around us and falling down, there are people who are asking this question, what must we do to be saved? And there is a shaking happening in our communities, amen? Amen. With all of the uncertainty, with the political spectrum and the news and, 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 and the borders and all of this, this is a shaking that's happening. The people of God, though, don't need to be shaken. Why? Because our feet are built on the Word of God, right? We serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so when everyone else is running around, what do we have to do to be safe? Listen, we're the ones with the answers. And what does he say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. 
And we see that the, the whole house is baptized, that, this, that, this, that he is added to the, the church in Philippi, and it's this beautiful, beautiful picture of the body of Christ. Why, was Paul, why were Paul and Silas in jail? Because God had a plan for this jailer. That's why they were in jail. That's why they were in jail. And Paul and Silas were sensitive enough. They, they, they could hear the voice of God through the, the circumstance that was screaming at them. People of God, we got to start listening to the Holy Spirit and not be people that are just led around by our circumstances. Yeah, I know that we go through troubles and trials and difficult things in life, but that doesn't mean that God's plan stops for you today. Listen, we're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be evangelists. We're all called on this great commission. We need to be sensitive. We need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then step out in faith. Step out like we actually believe what the Word of God says. And then what happens? Revival. You all said you love revival. Revival. Listen, you might be here today, and you might be like this Philippian jailer. You might be like the sailors who were doing everything that they knew how to do, yet there was a storm, there was a shaking, there, there was a, a, a something in their life that woke them up to the fact that there is a spiritual realm, a supernatural realm. There is a God who is above everything. Something woke these people up, and, and you might be here today, and God is waking you up. And you might be asking this question, what do I have to do to be saved? And it's the same answer for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your whole household, I believe, will be saved. Listen, when God saves us, he doesn't just save us for us. Amen? There's a progressive thing, a progressive work that he wants to do through our lives. The whole household is saved. The whole community is transformed. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that there is not another way to be saved. You won't find happiness, peace, contentment, or joy in any other place except in relationship with God. This is how you were designed. You're an image bearer of God. You were created in his image and his likeness to have relationship with him. The enemy comes in and he, he through, through leading us into temptation, through leading us into sin, his work in our life is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. If you look at your life and you say, you know what, all I see is steal, kill, and destroy, but I need some of that life more abundantly. Listen, there's no other place to find it except in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from the Christians in here today? Amen. Jesus is God in the flesh. He came from heaven to earth. Salvation is not found in here. It's not found in you. 
Our culture says to, to follow your heart and to trust yourself and to do what feels good and, and that you need to seek self-actualization. Listen, it, it's not from in here that you will find salvation. It's from up here. It's from outside. The Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Because of sin in our life, and we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short. There's, there's, just, there's no way that because of who we are and what we've done that we can claw and work our way back to God. The chasm is too deep. The chasm is too far. Spiritually dead. But then we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and just as he was risen from the dead on the third day, so he causes us to be born again. And it starts on the inside. And it's a fundamental change of who we are, a new person. The Bible says the old life, the old way, the old man is gone away. That we have a new life in Christ, a fresh start. And it also says that his mercies are new every morning. So we start with a clean slate every day. Amen? That's good news right there. I need a clean slate every day. You should see my slate at the end of the day. It's a disaster. But the Lord comes in with his mercy and his grace, and every day his mercies are new every single morning. Listen, don't get hung up on what you did 10 years ago. Don't get hung up on what you did 20 years ago. Don't get hung up on what someone said to you 30 years ago. Don't let something insignificant like that keep you from what God has for you. He lived without sin, a perfect life. Can you imagine that? I, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Yet Jesus then chooses to go to the cross, humbles himself, allows himself to be brutally beaten, murdered, executed by the people he loved the most. On the cross, as he's dying, taking his last breath, as he's been mocked and beaten and spit upon, stripped naked, beard plucked from him, hanging there, beating, do you know what he says? He prays, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Listen, you've been living life doing the best that you can, but really, you don't know what you've been doing. Jesus is praying for you right now. Jesus is interceding for you on your behalf. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. The Lord's knocking on the, the door of your heart today. And that if you will open it to him, that he will come into your life and he will change everything. He doesn't change the circumstance, but he changes the person in the circumstance. And as we work out our salvation day after day, year after year, month after month, decade after decade, generation by generation, we see God moving, we see God working, we see God transforming, taking what was dead and causing it to come to life. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, that's me. The Lord's woken me up. I'm here today. There's a shaking going on. I have not put my faith in Jesus Christ. I have not made him the Lord of my life. I've been trying to do it my own way. I've been trying to be a good person. 
I've been putting my faith in other things. I've been thinking that I could receive happiness and hope and, and joy and satisfaction from other things. And you're here today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and, and believe God for your salvation. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone to stand here this morning. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around today, if you say, that's me, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want us to pray together. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to trust in his work for me on the cross. I want to receive that forgiveness. I want to receive that hope. I want to receive that salvation today. I want to know that I know that I know that when I leave this place, that I'm a new person. If that's you here today, would you raise your hand and slip it up? This is your way of just saying, I'm trusting in Jesus today. Amen. Hands going up all over the place today. Praise God. Praise God. I want to ask you to say this prayer after me. You can put your hand down. Actually, here's what I want us all to do. Let's lift our both hands to the Lord today, all across this room, from the front to the back, to the left to the right. We do this as an act of surrender. The prayer we're about to pray is a prayer of surrender. It's us giving our life to Jesus. It's a great exchange. We bring to Jesus our brokenness, our pain, our defeat, our sin. He takes it, and he gives us his righteousness, his peace, his joy, his forgiveness, his salvation, restored relationship with God. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin. I repent of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. Make me clean. Thank you for loving me. I am now your child. Help me to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.